Hi, my name is Tyler Fornis, and I am the co-host of The Good, The Bad, and The Hunky here on the Voice Wrestling Podcasting Network. Every week, my co-host Fred Moreland and I discuss all the happenings of all elite wrestling and everything going on in the universe of Tony Khan. We talk about Dynamite, we talk about Rampage, and we will talk about Collision when the time comes as well, along with all the appearances outside of AEW from all the best talents in all elite wrestling. This is one of the more cohesive wrestling companies in the entire world, and we discuss every intricacy about it, including the unique booking of Tony Khan that is both a huge positive and a major detriment. Check us out every single Thursday here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Welcome to Jumping Bomb Audio. Hello and welcome back everybody to Jumping Bomb Audio, the number one show all about the world of Joshi Pro Wrestling. My name is Taylor and I am joined as always for the last time in 2023 by my very good friend, my very good pal, and my co-host, Kelly. Kelly, it's all coming to an end. Yep. It's all it's all going to end soon. 2023 get in the trash. 2024 here we come. Get the pipes ready. I'm going to have you sing Old Lang Syne as we sign off. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> um no, but uh we are here. We are going to be talking our awards of the year as we always do at the end of the year. In 2 weeks we will be off for the holidays and then we will return at the top of 2024 to talk about all the shows that happened in the new year period i guess before and after the new year but we will be covering all sorts of awards today all the awards you usually would see in the wrestling observer we'll be talking some of the shows that we watched uh very quickly previewing a couple shows that are coming up and also debuting for 2024 the jumping bomb audio joshi fantasy draft we will uh, explain that when we get to it but kelly and i will be drafting uh, a number of wrestlers and we will track those wrestlers throughout the year and the person with the most points at the end of 2024 will win the pride of being a smart person (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we're bringing back pride in japan it's gonna be great (laughs) yes and one of us will be the owner of it yep before we get into the show of course we have to do the plugs follow us on twitter at jbomb audio you can follow kelly at 
Comic Geek Kelly, and you can follow me at Tay Mambo. Subscribe to us on your podcast app of choice. And if that app of choice happens to be Apple Podcasts, we would really appreciate a five-star rating and review. And if you're feeling extra generous, you can donate to this show at redcircle.com slash shows slash jumping dash bomb dash audio. So let's get right into it. We got a lot to cover. We're going to be doing all the awards. We're just going to do them. Bing, bang, boom, going in order here. So we're starting out with the big awards. We're starting out First of all, with the Flair Thez Award, three picks for each of us. Um, this is an award that uh, I don't have the specific language in front of me, but combines both in-ring and also drawing and importance throughout the year. So a combination of factors. Uh, Kelly, uh, let me throw it over to you first for your number three pick. Uh, so for my number three pick, I went with Sari purely because she brought like a, you might say a passion injection to the, uh, Indies in the back half of the year. And there's nothing that Kelly loves more than a passion injection as we've, yep. as we've it's my favorite thing this year. Um, well, my number three is also Sari. You know, she, she didn't have a ton of matches in 2023. She was only really in the scene in the back half of 2023. But I think one thing, I don't know if I mentioned it on this podcast or I talked to people outside of this podcast about it, but I really think there was a sort of period in the mid year where sort of looking around at the Joshi scene, it felt very sort of outside of stardom and Tokyo Joshi really, it felt like it was really sort of stagnating um, it didn't really feel like there was all that much excitement about anything that sort of these smaller promotions were doing. Um, you know, obviously we've talked at length about the fact that sort of ice ribbon, at least in 2022, 2021 was sort of this solid number three, you know, they had these Corican hall shows, they had bigger shows, they had the super talented roster um, which obviously then ran into issues. And so I think a lot of it was there really was slash is no solid number three in Joshi right now in terms of a promotion that maybe is not on the level of stardom or Tokyo Joshi, but maybe just below and can still sort of bring in, um, have big matches, have big shows. And so it sort of felt like a scene that was stagnating. Um, and I have to give Sari a lot of credit coming back, you know, doing her own shows, which were all very exciting, but also hopping into a place like Seedling, which had sort of hit a lull and now feels like they are very much energized. Um, and a number of other places she sort of hopped in and gave, you know, a jolt of energy, which I think has really raised the whole scene and helped everyone and really caused some excitement. So even though she wasn't really, you know, top of mind for the whole year, I wanted to get her on the list. So that's why she's my number three. Um, Back from retirement and kicking ass. Kelly, you're number two. 
Uh, my number two has got to be Julia from Stardom. You know, or I mean, soon to be WWE, depending on who you talk to. Uh, she kind of led the early half or early couple of months of stardom and has always been near the top of the card for them. Even when she's just in like trios matches and stuff like you see her a lot near the top of the card and stardom. So she's obviously one of the bigger people in the mix and has a huge fo- fan following. So you can't deny Julia is one of the top people in Joshi right now. Well, I'll say my number two is um, also Julia. <laughs> this is going to be us repeating, um, yeah, <laughs> just think, repeating each other. For, I think um, someone copied my homework. <laughs> you know, I think Julia had a great um, in-ring year, but has also been relied upon in terms of the, the strong, New Japan strong stuff coming over to America and sort of representing the brand in the way that um, Mayu has often done in the past and clearly is someone of importance. You know, Kelly sort of alluded to it, but all this mention of, you know, possibly going to WWE. So is clearly someone who, you know, is on someone's radar. And it's not often that people like that get on American radars. So the fact that she is, I think, really speaks to the fact about how strong she is. I think if you, I think looking in December, sort of over the long year, it's sort of harder to think about, you know, she's had the strong title for a while, but didn't feel like an, it doesn't feel to me at first blush, like a thing where Julia dominated stardom as she has, you know, in years past, but I think still really had a good year and still is really very popular. So um, she was my number two. Uh, Kelly, your number one for uh, the Flair Thez Award. Uh, my number one has to go to my nemesis, Tom, uh, Tom Nakano. Just uh, really dominated the upper card in stardom this year and drew pretty well for him. And now that she's not around, uh, things aren't going as well for the company. So it's very clear that she actually did play a pretty big role in their success. Yeah, well, once again, I also had Tom Nakano as my number one for the same reason. You know, we'll talk about this in more in later awards, but a really sort of interesting year for stardom. I think in many aspects, they had a very strong year, and in many aspects, they had a a fairly poor year. Um, You know, Tom at the beginning sort of got to the top of the mountain. I think there was excitement about that. I think people, I think there is a very large contingent of people who do like her, who, you know, she drew in, which is why she's at the top of the list. But there were also things where, you know, I didn't think her reign was necessarily a standout title reign, obviously ended with her vacating the title for injury reasons um we'll get into that later (laughs) so um just sort of a bit odd but i think you know for some of these awards and you think about joshi i mean stardom is so much bigger at this point even though i think they're probably not as big as they were hoping to end the year on or whatever you want to say but it's very hard to look at really any other company 
in Joshi and say, well, the person who's the best draw and is the best, you know, overall bringing in fans, it almost couldn't be anyone except someone in stardom. And that person in stardom is going to be the top title holder. So it's sort of like a no brainer pick, but it's not a pick where I'm thinking, oh my God, it was so far and beyond an amazing year for everything. It's just sort of, you know, they are the strongest company right now. And she is at the top of the, you know, pecking order, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. This wasn't, this one really wasn't even a debate for me. It's just like, yeah, that's, that's who it is. (laughs) The next category is most outstanding. This is just on in ring work. So the three strongest um in ring years uh i'll go first on this so it looks like kelly's copying me uh, <laughs> uh my number three pick sayori no um had a really great year was really to me a standout in stardom even someone who was not you know holding a title for a long period of time just went out there especially i think of the five star grand prix period when you have so many matches and she was the person going out and being like, I'm going to go out here and I'm going to give, you know, a hundred percent every night. And these matches are going to be, they're going to feel big. Um, they're going to be very exciting. And so to me, she was my, you know, I really liked her year. There was a lot of people who had strong years that could probably go in this three spot. But to me, um, I wanted to get her on the list. So she's my number three. Yeah, uh, Sari's also my number three. Uh, I think I would say undeniably the stardom MVP for at least the back half of the year. Like she just came into the company and was like, "All right, cool. I'm uh, I'm gonna put all the work rate stuff on my back, and I got this, guys. Don't worry." And so yeah, like she's she had a really really solid year. Like it's hard. There aren't. She's got a couple matches, I believe, in my top ten. Maybe, or maybe just one appearance. I don't know. But, like, regardless, just a really good year. She had a ton of notebook stuff for me. My number two for most outstanding is Miyu Yamashita. Um, Someone a little bit of a, you know, feels a little bit like a chalk pick. But as I was sort of going through my lists, for this going through old you know previous shows old matches it really stuck out to me how consistently she was having top level matches um throughout the year in tokyo joshi you know the beginning she had a number of matches you know at the beginning of the year some in the middle of the year obviously some closer to the end the match with mizuki that was very highly regarded it was just you know sometimes i think gets taken a little for granted, um, you know, with myself where you think, oh, Miyu, of course she's having great matches. But I think looking back at the Tokyo Joshi year as a whole, um, I think she really stood out as someone who could go out there and in this sort of elevated world of Tokyo Joshi in-ring ability still sort of stands above um, a lot of people and had a lot of really um, exciting uh, great matches. Uh, my number two is Julia. I think she had a great year overall, really strong title run to open up the year. 
uh, strong performances in the five star, and then uh, a lot of great trios stuff. Like I know last week we talked about, or last episode we talked about her trio with uh, My Sakura and Tekla, and they've been having a lot of fun matches and just really good stuff throughout the year. So I had to give her recognition there because you know that's that's not easy being great as a tag wrestler and a singles star. So it's like, you know, definitely deserves recognition at the number two spot for me. Yeah. And Julia actually was my number one wrestler of the year. I think again, going through looking at the stardom year at year on the whole, I think she just had so many excellent matches. Um, You'll see when we talk about our top 10 match of the year coming up shortly, she was just the person who really, when I think back in whatever it is, two years, three years, and I think back on, you know, what were the defining matches of Stardom's 2023? To me, Julia is in almost every one of them. Um, super talented, you know, had some fun, um, new Japan strong matches as well in the, in the States, but really I think is at the level where even again, in a year where she's not the focus of the top title necessarily, um, can still get in the ring and deliver and not only deliver, but deliver in a variety of matches, you know, a match that's very in-ring focused, a match that's very, you know, brawling focused and sort of different styles of matches and come in and still deliver um, high quality stuff to me made her a pretty easy number one pick for me. Yeah, no, she's definitely deserving of that. Uh, My number one is Mizuki. Uh, I thought she had a great title run in Tokyo Joshi. And really, it's a big accomplishment that she got that title run and kind of broke into the upper level of the Tokyo Joshi roster, where it's been pretty stagnant. No one gets up to that level, and finally Mizuki was able to break through the glass ceiling and get up there, and that's a, that's a big accomplishment. So that's that's why she earned my number one spot. The next award is the Tag Team of the Year. Another one we made three picks. Kelly, I will let you go first with your number three pick. Uh, I gotta be honest. This year was not great for tag wrestling and Joshi, I don't think. So a lot of my picks are kind of just like vibes picks. Uh, like my number three, Best Bros. Uh, Balianaki and uh, Mesa They're just a super fun team and I always enjoy watching their stuff. So that that's all they got. And she, they've had a good title run with the, with the Asia dream titles. And so, yeah, they're my number three. My number three, I went with sort of a similar thing. I think two of my three picks are sort of um, in left field a, a bit, but um, just a team. I'm very excited to sort of see rise up the card, you know, win, Titles I've been talking about, at least one of them, sort of wondering why they don't get more push, and now they are. Um, my number three from Seedling is Ayame Sasamura and Riko Kaiju. Um, you know, 
might not even end the year as tag champions and seedling, but I really liked that they sort of were given that opportunity, have had some fun matches. And as I mentioned in the past, Ayame is someone who I have always really enjoyed, who who hasn't been given the sort of opportunities that other um, sort of independent focused wrestlers have been given. And I think she's super talented. So I'm happy to see her. And obviously Ruka Kaiju being trained in seedling, it's exciting to see, you know, former seedling rookie, which is a very rare thing, um, sort of get to the top of the card deservingly. So I think, so they were my um, number three pick Kelly, your number two pick. Uh, My number two pick is free Wi-Fi, the best team name in wrestling. Uh, everyone loves some free Wi-Fi. And hey, they got the titles. I'm really happy for them. Uh, so they're my number two. Free Wi-Fi is also my number two pick. Um, agree with everything you said, Kelly. And I'm very excited for... I do agree with you that it wasn't a stellar year for um, tag team wrestling. Really, a lot didn't stick out to me. The only one I knew I was going to get on this list was free Wi-Fi, just because I'm very excited. I think they've worked really well as a team. They are sort of leading this charge that I hope will continue into 2024 of this refreshed um, tag team division in Tokyo Joshi. Now that really the long, pretty much all the longstanding teams are gone. You know, Magical Sugar Rabbits is obviously going to be no more. Uh, Neo Bashiki Goon is not going to be challenging um, for the titles, at least to my knowledge. And I think they've done a really good job of sort of both stabilizing the division, but making it appear exciting. Because I think that any match that they go into, any tag team match they have, you don't know if they're going to win. You know, when Magical Sugar Rabbits had the titles in the past, you sort of already always knew, okay, they're not going to lose to this, you know, thrown together team or this team that just decided to challenge for the titles. They're going to lose in a big moment. And with free Wi-Fi, you don't know that. They could really realistically lose to anyone. They could beat anyone or lose to anyone. And I think that's an exciting thing moving forward, especially in Tokyo Joshi when there are so many wrestlers sort of bubbling up, rising up the card, feeling like they're ready for the next step, that we now have a tag division that can really accommodate some people stepping up. In the tag division, maybe before um, they step up in a singles, just because that's going to be such a crowded space. Yeah, and uh, that kind of goes to my number one. Uh, I went with the Magical Sugar Rabbits because, A, you're always going to get a great match out of them. And, B, this is probably the last time I'll be able to put them on my list. Uh, as as far as we know, they're done. You know, Yuka is moving on. Uh, so that leaves Mizuki to just be a singles wrestler. So this is this is the end of the Magical Sugar Rabbits. So that's why I had to put them at number one for the last time. Number one, I very much cheated on this uh, (laughs) because (laughs) I am sort of choosing two teams that share one um, wrestler, and that would be the way both the Wasteland War Party 
of Maxi Impaler and Heidi Howitzer, and also Palm Paler, uh, the team of Palm Harajuku and Maxi Impaler. I just thought Max was very good in the tag scene in Tokyo Joshi this year. I thought it was very exciting to have the Wasteland War Party at the beginning of the year, and then ex- exciting to sort of wrap up the year with a little bit of the Max and Palm stuff. But I just think Max has been such a great addition to the Tokyo Joshi roster. Couldn't really fit her in um, elsewhere on these awards, so really wanted to sort of give them um, some shine because I've really enjoyed their work in the company and um, also enjoyed Heidi and, of course, Palm, I think, has been a very exciting story to tell of this wrestler who I think the crowd has really gotten behind. So that, you know, maybe bending the rules a little, but that is my pick. You know what? I'll look the other way. <laughs> you won't find me. Yep. Uh, the next award is for the promotion of the year award. We have three picks again here. My number three pick is Sendai Girls. You know, I think Sendai Girls has had a really great year. Um, They had one major issue with their year, which is um, seeing all their stuff. (laughs) Um, You know, things are uploaded very late. There were a handful of shows that aired live, uh, which were all very good shows. And that's why they were my number three. I only wish that... Um, there were more shows that aired or aired in some sense of immediacy after the event. You know, a lot of these matches happen in February and get uploaded in June. And by that time, you know, sort of the wrestling world has moved on. I wish, you know, I know a couple years back, they had a very, very brief, um, time of they were uploading stuff on IWTV that ended almost right as it began. I think they uploaded two or three shows. Um, I just wish there was somewhere like put them on YouTube, but like put them on YouTube. Um, Reasonably like, quickly. <laughs> yeah. A couple of weeks after or do something that like ice ribbon has their subscription on Um, YouTube, which is very nice. You know, they have the shows. They're not, you know, some of them, I think, air live. Um, But they go up there with relative speed. Yeah, because right now, Sendai Girls is uploading stuff from June. Yeah, and it's not a thing where I need a five-camera production running around the ring. You know, Ice Ribbon puts a camera on a stand and just shoots the ring. And it's like, if that's what I get, then that's what I get. I would much rather have that than something where it's like, Oh, here's matches from June where you're like, well, I've already watched the show live from, you know, November. So going back to watch in June, but the stuff I saw from Sendai girls was all very good. You know, we reviewed their show, um, a little while ago here on jumping bomb audio, which you can go back and listen to. That was an excellent show. And I was looking through my notes and seeing, you know, the other Sendai girls shows I watched this year 
that were you know live or presented on pay-per-view or whatever it was were also very excellent they have a really fun roster they have some people who don't really um travel around in terms of you know dash who was out for some time but chihiro doesn't really go that many places um very rarely so they sort of have this very unique um way about them that i really enjoy they're very talented just wish that i could see more uh yeah my number three is uh no one i there wasn't a number three company for me that really stood out from all of the others it was a weird year for joshi i would say where it just i don't know no one to me really had the booking momentum i would have hoped for like there was a de- a lot of good matches, but just no one stood out. Like I guess in the back half of the year, Marvelous really picked up to me. Um, I always kind of enjoy, if this makes sense, the scrappiness of Seedling. Like just they have kind of a a rougher touch to them that I enjoy. Uh, prominence exists. And I do enjoy it when I watch it, but it sure doesn't feel like it's going to be anything more than it is. Gato Move and Choco Pro are what they are as well now. Ever since Takanashi really took over booking, it's kind of just been boring. But yeah, it's like there's a lot of good stuff, but nothing stood head and shoulders above the rest for me to make it to number three. So I am leaving that space blank. I considered for a bit seedling because I think late in the year, you know, the thing that I loved about them in past years was that they were sort of telling, they weren't just a smaller promotion, you know, doing, you know, being like, here's a show and here's five random matches that we put together. There was sort of these stories. They weren't hugely elaborate stories, but you think of, I mean, the, the big one is the Arisa uh, Nanai stuff with the hair match that that's where it culminated, but that was not yeah. a, that was not a huge, you know, elaborate um, story. It was just sort of simple storytelling that was woven through the shows. And it felt a little like when Nanai left that they sort of were like, well, let's not do like, let's not do this. Let's just throw up some matches and still had very good matches. And again, like I mentioned at the, near the top of the show, when Sari came back, it sort of felt like they were like, oh, great, we have a person. Let's like tell a story with this. And they've been telling this story of, you know, Arisa, um, you know, and their battle and now teaming together and they're releasing these videos of they're going out together and they can't get along, you know, and that's the sort of stuff that originally, not originally, but really drew me in in past years with Seedling where it was like, oh, great. There's something where when I sit down to watch a show, I'm not just thinking, oh, I'm excited for XYZ match, but oh, I can't wait to see what happens in terms of these wrestlers. So I think they had some of it. It sort of started to happen later in the year. So it wasn't a full year thing where I could really get them to number three. But they were considered, I think you're very right about Marvelous and to some extent Oz Academy. They had some interesting stuff, again, in the back half of the year. I think a lot of this sort of most interesting Marvelous stuff 
was happening in the U.S. Um, in all the U.S. promotions they work with, and of course, recently announcing they're going to run a show here. So it was just one of those things where I liked some of the stuff that they did, but it wasn't a great holistic year for them because I felt like they had sort of faded um, from top of mind for a while. So I considered some of those. I can see why you can pick sort of a consensus in your mind, number three. Yeah. Or number three, uh, I'll go just weirdest promotion that i'm glad exists and i know will some somehow flame out uh that's sukiban uh yes although um yeah we'll talk about that in the the, the past or when we review the shows that happened recently <laughs> we'll talk more about that uh but my number two promotion of the year i went with tokyo joshi Thought they had a, a very solid year, obviously very good in-ring year. I still am waiting for the moment when I really feel that their booking is giving people momentum and not often taking momentum from wrestlers. I think that's my biggest hold up with them. I know some people disagree. I know people feel differently. Um but I'm just waiting for a year in which the things that I'm like, oh, they should really, you know, I think if we had said, okay, at the end of 2022, okay, at the end of 2023, you know, Mizuki will have been champion and lost it after only a couple defenses. And they really haven't done much with Miyu, which we'll talk about in a second. Uh, Miyu uh, Watanabe. So it just feels like a strong year, but I keep waiting for like the moment when sort of some things are going to click into place booking wise, which hasn't quite happened yet with me, which is why they um, were number two. Uh, my number two is stardom. Uh, they had an undeniably great year, but the thing that kept them from number one for me is when I was kind of compiling my notes and everything for this. I didn't have a single starter match this year that rated higher than four and a half, which is shocking because there was a lot of high end stuff from them this year. But I think a lot of those matches had little things here and there that kept me from going any higher than that. So it's like, I guess from a, from an in-ring perspective, I can't justify putting them any higher than two. Well, Stardom is my number one promotion. I think it's sort of an interesting, you know, we talk about the split in the middle of the year with Siri sort of showing back up. And I think there was sort of a split in Stardom's year. Uh, looking back, sort of reviewing all the shows that had happened. I mean, at the beginning of the year, they were churning out some excellent great top line shows. Um, it was very exciting. You know, now it feels like, okay, that was six months ago or seven months ago. And you sort of forget, but looking at my notes, I was like, yeah, I was loving a lot of these shows and up to, and I think really including the, you know, the first night of the five-star Grand Prix, which was such a great show. And then it really felt like the five-star Grand Prix happened 
And then the injuries started piling up and then there was all this backstage drama and it feels like the back half of the year has been really tough sledding. I mean, this was not a pick, you know, Kelly obviously had stardom at number two. I felt with all their success and the fact that they are, you know, head and shoulders, the top Joshi company in Japan, um, would have made it hard for me to move them any lower than number one, but this isn't a number one where I'm thinking, oh, they nailed it. They had a great year. Like all of the, and you can hear in my opinions on this, all three of the top three promotions all had major flaws to their year. So there was really no promotion where I was thinking, yep, that's them. They did it. You know, stardom, obviously great in ring product, very talented, super talented roster, Um, But I'm fascinated to see what happens in 2024 in terms of, you know, they've talked about the number of shows that they run, what exactly, you know, they are going to do about, you know, these injuries happen. They have this new president coming in. There's sort of a lot of changes. And I'm interested to see if that is the thing it's felt to me for a bit like they sort of have now hit a level and they need to figure out how to sort of get to the next level. You know, they can do these shows, these quote unquote bigger shows. They can draw a thousand people, you know, they can fill up Corican Hall, but it's not really the growth of, okay, when are we going to see 2,500 people. When are we going to see 3,000 people? We see that once or twice a year when they load these shows up and they're like, this is the huge, gigantic show. But it no longer feels like a company that's going up, up, up. It feels like a company that is on a level. And then when it comes out and they're like, oh, such and such got injured. Oh, you know, this show's running late. Oh, we ran a show for 114 people in a venue that was very cold. Like, you sort of start looking at everything and thinking, okay, what's going on? So I think 2024 will be a very telling year for the company. I really kind of loved that whole, you know, oh, 114 people were here. It was extremely cold. I'm like, you just, you didn't have to run the extremely cold venue. <laughs> well, you don't know it's going to be cold when you book the venue. I mean, I don't know. I do, think you but... should, you should at least be like, Hey, does this place have heat? <laughs> No, then we should book somewhere else. It's heated by the passion of the wrestlers. Yeah. Uh, like but it's, Kelly... It's December. It gets cold. Uh, you're number one. Uh, my number one is Tokyo Joshi. Uh, this is the year they really cemented themselves as a work rate promotion, I think. A uh, lot of really good higher-end stuff on the shows. Uh, I, again, it was nice to see kind of the beginning of the shift of the upper card echelon of wrestlers. So I think this is both a building year and a very strong year for them. I think this only means bigger and better things from here on out for the company. And that's great because I loved this year in Tokyo Joshi. So yeah, they are easily my number one. So next, we are going to go with our match of the year. We each have 10 picks here. 
And we are going to start with number 10. I will start with mine. Uh, my number 10 is from Stardom from the Triangle Derby Finals on March 4th. It is Azumi versus Starlight Kid, uh, a match I went four and a half stars on, a match I really enjoyed slightly less than their first match, which also was on my uh, match of the year list in that year. But a really strong match, I will say, um, for these first couple of matches, looking sort of looking through my list, consulting all my notes that I had taken, there's probably, I would say, about 15 matches, very similarly ranked, you know, in the four and a half star um, region that I probably could have fit on this list. Um, but this one, this is one that stuck stuck out to me there we go um as another as i mentioned great match in this now series of matches that azumi and starlight kid have had and a match that i very much enjoyed uh my number 10 comes to us from uh oz academy it is the six person tag team elimination judgment chain death match from Yokohama Burning Destiny with the team of Ozaki Goon, which is Mayumi Ozaki, Kikeru, and Saori Ano, defeating Chigusa Nagayo, Mio Momono, and Tomoko Watanabe. Uh, this was awesome. Like, they're just a wild plunder brawl match. Exactly what you want from the kind of crazy Oz Academy deathmatch style. Definitely. Uh, a good kind of extension of the Oz Academy or Ozaki versus Marvelous uh, feud. And I like just, I'll, 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 I'll always remember Ozaki taking pictures with all the sponsors while she's like stomping on the belts. My number nine match of the year is a tag team match. The team of one, two, one million Maki Ito and Miyu Yamashita taking on Kuraku Kyomei, which is Hyper Masao and Shoko Nakajima in the Tokyo Joshi Max Heart Tournament Finals from February 11th. Another match, an excellent match, one that I really enjoyed and a great cap to the max heart tournament finals one that i hadn't really i think you do ask me my top matches without consulting my notes i'm not sure i would have remembered this one but the minute i saw it in my notes i had the visceral remembrance of how much i really enjoyed this match um really stuck out to me as a great main event on that show. Very much remembered it the minute I saw it. Um, so that is my number nine match. Uh, my number nine is a from a surprising place, uh, GCW. This is from the world on GCW 2023 in October. This was their Currican Hall show. Uh, the main event was uh, for the GCW Ultra Violent title, Rina Yamashita versus Masha Slamovich. This was nuts. <laughs> they went out there and beat the holy hell out of each other and used so much glass. Like this was definitely a very important match for both of them. They were, you know, 
really it it seemed like they were really kind of proud to be in this main event spot in Kurikin. And they went out and killed it. So yeah, I had to put this on my list somewhere because it just stuck out in my memory so well. Uh, my number eight match is from a surprising place from Baka Gaijin and Friends number three on March 7th. Chris Brooks versus Mai Yukihi, uh, a match I really enjoyed, had a lot of the sort of flavor of Choco Pro shows, you know, the best of Choco Pro with the very close camera and the mat wrestling and just a match that was super fun, super hard hitting, but really fun with the breaking of the chandelier and things like that. But really, they just went out and really went to town, you know, beating the shit out of each other. And it was super exciting, you know, sort of coming from this place where you think, oh, they're just going to go in this bar and sort of goof off and really had this match that would have fit very well in the top of a, you know, in-ring serious promotion that really stood out to me. Yeah, that match was incredible. That v- came very close to making my list and probably would have been in this very spot had I not gone with my number eight match, which is also a Chris Brooks match. Uh, this one was for the KOD Openweight title and was from DDT's Who's Gonna Top 2023 on September 24th. It was Chris Brooks defending the title against Saki Akai in one of her final singles matches. This was... It kind of felt like Saki's last stand almost like she put everything she had into this match and proved like she could do this main event epic style. And it's like we hadn't really seen that out of her and she was fantastic in this match. So I I had to put it on. And again, this was another one of those cases where it's like, well, this is my last shot to put a Saki Akai match in my top 10. So here it is. My number seven match maybe might be the most controversial match that I put on my list, Uh, a match that I know a lot of people did not like at all um, that I really enjoyed. It's Mercedes Monet versus Mayu Iwatani from Stardom's All-Star Grand Queendom on April 23rd, a match that a lot of people didn't really enjoy, but I really loved. Uh, I said it at the time that it was a match between just two maniacs who were willing to go out and be like, yeah, we'll do this to, you know, make the match fun. We know that Mayu is very much that style and Mercedes sort of went along with that. So a match that I really enjoyed, just sort of a match that matches the style that I really enjoyed. So that one was my number seven. Uh, my number seven also features two maniacs. Uh, this one is for the World of Stardom title, uh, Julia versus Maya Yukihi from the Triangle Derby Finals. This is the one where they just went out there and had an insane brawl that sadly did not end in like a definitive way. And that's probably the only thing that kept it from being higher on my list. But this was just a nuts match. Shows that Julia is at her best in a brawl like this. And Yukihi is just so fucking great. Like I adored this match. 
My number six is one that Kelly had on his list already. It is the six-person deathmatch from Oz Academy, Yokohama, Burning Destiny, Chigusa Nagayo, Mio Momono, and Tomoko Watanabe versus Kakaru, Mayumi Ozaki, and Sayori Adno uh, from that October 22nd show. Kelly already very well covered a lot of it, but you know with me, uh, if there is a big show Oz Academy Deathmatch. Uh, more than likely it is going on my top 10 list. I think I've, I think Oz Academy has had, you know, a match from their big show on my top 10 list nearly every year that I've put one together. Just think they're always a lot of fun, a great change of pace from what you usually see. And usually everyone in the match is willing to go out and just sort of lay it on the line and do some crazy stuff. And that was certainly the case uh, in this match and made it a match that I very much enjoyed. Uh, my number six is the beginning of a bunch of Tokyo Joshi stuff on my list. Uh, <laughs> number six is the Princess of Princess title match from Wrestle Princess 4, uh, which saw Miyu Yamashita defeat the champion Mizuki. Uh, this match, I remember having a really good, like, escalation to it, where just, as the match went on, the bumps went, were wilder, and the hits were harder, and there was this, I have this burned into my memory of this bit where they're just standing and trading shots, and the crowd is just silent, and you can hear every single shot ring out, and it was a very cool moment. It's one of those matches where I questioned the booking, but the in-ring was so great that I couldn't not recognize it here. My number five match is another match from Stardom All-Star Grand Queendom on April 23rd. It is a tag team match. Azumi and Mei Saruga versus Starlight Kid and Mei Sierra. Uh, a match that I loved. Longtime listeners of the show will know how much I enjoy the stardom, you know, Azumi Starlight Kid, high speed style. And this was that to the nth degree. So to me, uh, a really standout great match between four great competitors and one that definitely, um, really the minute it happened was going on my top 10 list. Uh, my number five is a match that Taylor already had on his list. It is the uh, Princess Max Hart tournament uh, tag tag tournament final match between uh, Maki Ito and Miyu Yamashita and Hyper Masao and Shoko Nakajima. This match was just they went out there and beat the shit out of each other, and it was awesome. Like the moment when Hyper Masao lost her mask and didn't care because she was too busy kicking ass. <laughs> And you had the other girls on the outside, like the at ringside kind of just like run over and put her mask back on her was such a badass moment and really made me want them to strap a rocket to Misao and <laughs> put her in the top of the card. Just an awesome tag match. Like one of my favorites. Like I think, yeah, this was my favorite straight 2v2 tag match of the year. My number four match covered 
by Kelly already. Julia versus Maya Yukihi from the Triangle Derby Finals on March 4th, a match that I loved. Um, another great Maya Yukihi match, who I think is very underrated, uh, even by me realizing I haven't put her anywhere on, on my uh, awards this year, but just a great hard-hitting um match really felt you know julia has sort of been doing this um ice ribbon uh whatever you want to call it thing storyline for a long time this was really the match the one match that has happened that really felt like two people who didn't like each other going out there and really fighting it out and um that made me love it yeah, it had that match had like an old school feel to it, just with the brawl. It, it didn't feel like a match you would see in modern stardom. Yeah, and I know a lot of people. You know, we talked about um, some previous things I mentioned where people didn't like. I know a lot of people didn't like that aspect of it, but to me, I really um, loved it. It really felt it really felt to me like there was true animosity there. You know, maybe there is, maybe there isn't, but it felt that way to me. And I think that really enhanced the, the match. Yeah, definitely. Uh, my number four, we're on four. Yeah. Uh, was the princes of princess title match between Yuka Sakazaki and Mio Yamashita from Tokyo Joshi's uh, January 4th show. This is the one where, it was I think it was pretty early on in the match. Miyu got knocked out. And it was just this super scary moment. But she fought back and in retrospect probably shouldn't have. But you know what? It made for an insane match. Uh, this was Terminator Yuka at the height of her powers. <laughs> and two of the, the, the top two from Tokyo Joshi just going out there and showing what they can do. Um, that is a match that was at one point on my top 10, uh, but just missed. I think it was like 11 or 12 would have ended up being if I would have continued my, my list. So another match that I enjoyed, but my number three match, another Julia match, having both three and four Julia versus Sayori no from stardom's, five-star Grand Prix night one on July 23rd, a match I love. Uh, Sari busted open accidentally, may possibly, but just that to me, sort of a, you know, that's the whole match sort of envelopes the whole match of just this absolutely crazy, no holding back, you know, battle between these two very super talented wrestlers, um, you know, on a show that had a lot of matches that were very good. This one stood out above all of them, which I think is another accomplishment, but just an incredible um, top level match from both of them. Yeah, that one was great. I I don't know where that would have ended up on my list. I kind of forgot about it. <laughs> But now that you're talking about, it, I'm like, oh yeah, shit, that was awesome. Uh, mark that as number eleven for me, just just because. Uh, my number three match is something very recent. 
uh, from Defem- December 1st. It was from the uh, the Tokyo Joshi 10th anniversary show. It was the best two out of three falls 10-man tag generational battle, which this match was incredible. Uh, it, it had it had everything like it just super dramatic, incredible work throughout the whole thing, and just it like to see this match. If like we could send take this match and send it back in time, just maybe like four years ago, and show it to Tokyo Joshi fans then and be like, "Hey, this is what's coming." It would have blown our minds. That this is the future for this company. It's just so great. And I'm sure we'll talk about it more as we get into kind of recapping the past couple of weeks, too. Well, I will say that that is my number two match of the year. And frankly, two and one to me are a razor thin margin of difference i could very easily tomorrow change my mind and make this match number one the 10 person tag from tokyo joshi just exactly sort of when because we previewed this match and i was like oh it could really be like those you know dragon gate veteran rookie um matches that they had in the past matches that i love matches that have ended up um, I think at least one of them may have ended up on my match of the year list in a previous year. And it was exactly that. It was like out of my dreams. You know, I was sort of watching <laughs> the match sort of started out, you know, and you have a little bit of goofiness. You have the the stuff with Rika and Yuka and Mizuki. And you're sort of like, okay. And then all of a sudden that first fall happens and it's like, like lock in and everyone just totally stepped up. I mean, I was thinking, you know, who is the weak link? If you had to name a weak link in the match, who would it be? And I couldn't even really think, I couldn't think of one because I thought everyone just stepped up their game. I love the you know, the story of these rookies fighting back against the veterans. You know, I know a lot of people were not happy to see Miyu, uh, Miyu beat Miyu. Um, but I think that that also is sort of teeing up 2024. And I yeah. think if that is what happens, then that makes this match even more exciting. The idea of you know, Miyu Watanabe going toe-to-toe with Miyu Yamashita, getting close, you know, the fans are behind it, and just doesn't quite happen, but then that's the story for next year when it's like, okay, we're going to go one-on-one, and this time I'm going to do it. I mean, and I think if there was any case in which, you know, we've talked a lot in the past about Oh well, the the promotion wants to keep these, you know, select wrestlers at the top cuz that's who people want to see, that's who people are coming. I mean, Arisu pinning uh Shoko at the beginning and getting the huge chant and the cheer and people are like, "Ah, that I'm was like, wild." I'm like, if there's any bigger sign that these that this audience 
is ready to see these wrestlers like step up and see these new people. There it is right there. So that's the sign. I will also say um, this match, of course, still very early. It's been less than two weeks since the match happened, but it is the highest rated Tokyo Joshi match of all time on cage match by a large margin. Uh, Miyu Yamashita versus Mizuki, which by the way, is only from two months ago, is at 9.03. The 10 person tag is at 9.4. Wow. So it's only one of four matches in the history of the company to be rated higher than nine. Of course, those other three matches have more votes to them. So that rating could certainly go down, but it is right now head and shoulders higher than really anything else. And I loved it. It was a yeah. perfect match for me. Yeah. I really do think this, like the finish of that match will be Mew's, uh, motivation going into next year to be like, you know, I'm going to take that belt off of her because I came this close to it this first time. So we're going to, well, let's try it again. Um, Kelly, your number two. My number two uh, is the uh, Mayumi Ozaki Mio Momono bloodbath from Marvelous's August 7th show. Like, come on, this is ruled. <laughs> like, like, this is Joshi. This is exactly like old school style, bloody, crazy brawl. Like, this was incredible. Just a super emotional match. Mio was doing anything she could to try and beat Ozaki, but just the wily veteran and all of her insane violent tricks were too much. to, And she beat her and took the title. And fucking stomped on it in front of her. <laughs> like, this was such a wild match. Like, I loved it. I went, uh, this is a four and three quarter match for me. Like, easily my number two. Well, I'll repeat Kelly once again and say my number one is Mio Momono against Mayumi Ozaki from Marvelous Corrigan Hall on August 7th. Uh, Kelly sort of summed it up, but just. So, I mean, such a simple, you know, I know a lot of people didn't like it because it was Mio losing the title and Mayumi Ozaki sort of, you know, quote unquote, politicking her way into a title. But to me, the match itself, just such a simple, straightforward story of someone overwhelmed by their opponent and yet fighting back, you know, they're bloodied and they're doing their best and they're, you know, never say die attitude is the kind of thing I always love. Um, and just, they laid it all out on the line and the whole post match stuff really added to it. Um, and it really felt like a big major moment, um, in all of Joshi for the year to sort of have this happen, have such a match and then have her stomp on the title afterwards. So um, to me, uh, just great stuff. That's the match that made me subscribe to the marvelous service on YouTube. (laughs) There you go. It drew money from me for sure. (laughs) 
my number one is a match that I believe I may be the high man on out of anyone. Uh, it is the seedling title match between Sari and Arisa Nakajima from August 25th. Uh, I went full five, five stars on this one. It's just pure violence from start to finish. Some of the hardest hits you'll see all year. Like this is this is the kind of wrestling I love. Just two people going out there and beating the ever loving shit out of each other to the point where you're like, damn, what did one of them do to the other one? <laughs> Why are they doing this? But you know, sometimes it's just for the love of the game. And yeah, this is again, I think I might be the high man on this, but it's my number one by far. Like some of those strikes are still echoing <laughs> throughout my brain all right so that is our top 10 of the year now we'll get to some of these i guess you could call them smaller uh awards the first one feud of the year kelly and i have the same one so i will say it is mayumi ozaki against marvelous um for both of us we sort of covered it in the in our match (laughs) of the year um Paul, another one I considered was the sort of the Arisa Seri um, stuff, but I think that that marvelous um, Oz Academy stuff really was the jolt. Um, another jolt along with Seri to sort of the indie Joshi scene. It brought um, so much juice to these companies. Uh, literally and figuratively. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Next was most improved. I had a very difficult time with this because I felt like I had so many candidates. Um, Kelly and I went with people from the same company, but different people. Kelly, you went with? Uh, Mocha Miyamoto. While her gear hasn't improved, I think she has uh, greatly in the ring. She is becoming a better and better worker with every match, really. I mean, to me, I could have picked... Most of the Tokyo Joshi roster, I went with Yuki Aino, who I really liked um, her improvement in the back half of the year. Could have gone with Yuki Kamafuku, could have gone with, you know, um, many people, Suzume or, you know, I think almost everyone, you know, I could have gone with Mihiro Kiryu. I think a lot of people in... Um, Tokyo Joshi got a lot better this year. My Sakurai probably would have been my pick in um, stardom because I think that she really um, picked up her game this year. But yeah, uh, most improved, I'll just say the Tokyo Joshi pro roster. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Next, most charismatic. uh, I went with Unagi Sayaka, who I think, you know, left stardom took a big risk and and it has really paid off for her in many ways and i think she's done a lot of that with her charisma and been able to really put herself in a lot of fun spots you know as part of suki bon and uh many other places kelly uh i went with rena yamashita honestly based purely on how well she's gotten over in gcw and it really kind of goes to show how strong she is in this regard. That's like she doesn't really speak English, and it's not like she's got a gimmick like Maki Ito, where kind of she just gets over immediately with the being the idol and all that kind of stuff. Like, she, 
Rena just went out there and won people over and made them want to see her as like the top person in the company, which is wild. So I think she had to be my most charismatic for sure. Best technical wrestler, Kelly, I'll let you take it away. We had the same pick here, sort of the chalk pick. I would. Yeah, it's pretty much just like doing Brian Danielson. <laughs> so we both went with Siri. Like it's just, it's the chalk pick. She she is amazing at her style, and you know who who's better? Who better? Yeah, didn't have a blowaway year, but still, um, you know, a very solid year, and and clearly. Um, a very talented technical wrestler. Um, for best brawler, I went with Suri Ano. As you heard from my top 10 list, the two matches that she had, you know, I thought she was one of the best wrestlers of the year. And the two matches in the top 10 that she had were both wild brawls. So um, she was sort of my um, sort of more off the beaten path pick i think there's probably other people that maybe would come to mind first but she was uh my pick no she's a really good pick for that uh i went with rena yamashita just really great deathmatch wrestler and crazy brawls all throughout the year from her best flying wrestler i don't know if there's really a a big time flying wrestler in um joshi especially with saya kamatani getting um, injured in the back half of the year, but Kelly and I both went, both, both went with Azumi. Um, I think we sort of took this as, you know, sort of quick speed, um, you know, flying around the ring as it were. We'll give, uh, Saya the best Icarus award for flying too close to the sun. <laughs> uh, the next award, um, most overrated, which in this category means most, um, over pushed. Um, my pick as people who listen to this podcast could probably guess would be Mirai Kelly, your pick, which people could probably guess would be, uh, Tom Nakano. Uh, she did great for business, but if the word coming out of the company is true that she lost her smile and didn't put some over someone over on the way out, uh, that sucks. And she probably shouldn't have gotten pushed that hard then. Uh, next is most underrated or under pushed in this um, category. My pick, Miyu Watanabe, as I sort of mentioned, um, you know, she had that exciting back half of 2022 and it felt like they didn't really capitalize it, capitalize on that. I know that in the discord, in the jumping bomb audio channel of the voices of wrestling discord, which you should visit um, right now. Uh <laughs> Yeah, go there, there. We did get a question from uh, Tim Dog about whether we think that Miyu Watanabe not being um, pushed this year was the biggest Joshi booking misstep of the year. I don't know if I would go that far. Um, you know, I think it was a little bit odd that she was not, uh, that they didn't do more with her this year, but it's possible that, you know, if in six months she's the champion of Tokyo Joshi, then it sort of is like, oh, it makes sense. You know, she gets a big moment at the end of the year in a loss in that 10 person tag, as we mentioned. Um, but I'm still sort of in a wait and see. It felt like 2023 was a Mizuki year in Tokyo Joshi. 
possible that 2024 is a Miyu Watanabe year. Um, but we'll have to see. Kelly. Yeah, and it's worth noting that uh, Tim Dog asked us that question in the Discord prior to the generational uh, two out of three falls match. So I think it, after that match, it's even more clear now that 2024 is probably going to be Miyu's year. Uh, I had Miyu down as we started recording, but then you mentioned that Mayu Kihi is incredibly underrated, and I was like, you know what? You're right. And so I went back and changed my answer to Maya Yukihi. Uh, incredibly underrated, deserves to be the top of a company somewhere. The rookie of the year, this one, a tough category. Lots of options that you could have gone with. I went with Wakana Uihara, especially with her winning the Next Generation Tournament in Tokyo Joshi. I think... Um, watching her wrestle that she has got a lot of very strong aspects that um, make me excited for her future. And I think she's going to be a big deal in Joshi and in Tokyo Joshi. So she was my pick. Kelly, who was your pick? Uh, I went with Fuichan. <laughs> her one match in stardom was incredible. And so I, I, had to give her that. I mean, she's, I guess, technically a celebrity wrestler, so I don't know if you'd count her in rookie, but goddamn, that was one hell of a match. The best major show of the year. Kelly, what was what was your number three show of the year? Uh, my number three show was Tokyo Joshi's Wrestle Princess 4 from uh, October 9th. That had on there the Mizuki Miyamashita match that I talked about earlier. Uh, you also had free Wi-Fi winning the tag titles on there. Uh, I believe that was the last new Bishikigun match. Or did they have another one after that? I... Yes. Yeah. Uh, you had a great Ryo Mizunami and Yuki Aeno tag against Miyu Watanabe and Yuki Arai. Like all around really great show. Uh, my number three was a triangle derby final from March 4th in stardom. As you heard me mention, I had two show. I had two matches in my top 10 from that show, the Julia and my and the Azumi and Starlight kid, a number of other strong matches on that card. So that was my number three. Uh, my number two was the opening night of the five-star grand prix from stardom on uh, July 23rd. This mat, this show had a ton of great matches, including that crazy Julia versus Sierra No match was on there. There was uh, Mayu versus Hazuki, Siri versus Suzu, Azumi versus Mariah May, which I thought was great. Like just a all around, all around great show that I think kind of fell off a lot of people's radars because of the bummer finish to it with Saya getting hurt. Yeah, that was my number two as well. Just a stacked card and almost every match delivered in some way. Um, you know, I think maybe I would have to go back and look, but maybe the greatest single five star show they've ever done, um, yeah. in my opinion. But just really strong up and down the card. I think it did sort of end on a bummer. I think if that match had been like a four and a half star match, I think it would be like, clearly the top show of the year because it was just so good 
unfortunately, no one's fault ended on a bit of a bummer, which is why it's two and not one for me. Yeah. Uh, and my number one is Stardom All-Star Grand Queendom from uh, April 23rd. That was the show main evented by Julia versus Tom for the title, which was a great match that I hated the finish to and will never stop saying that. Uh, this also had that killer uh, Fuachan tag on it and a bunch of other really great stuff. So yeah, this was uh, just really a home run show all around. Yeah, that was also my number one. Uh, Kelly's exactly right. A great show. You heard me talk about multiple matches on that show in my top 10 list. Um, and really the big, big when stardom really lines it all up and goes to deliver a big show, um, they usually deliver and they certainly did here. So that was my number one show of the year. Kelly, I will throw it over to you for best booker as I have abstained from voting in this category. Uh, I nearly abstained because I couldn't think of anyone. Uh, so I just went with Chris Brooks because the Bakuga Gene and Friends shows are a lot of fun. <laughs> and that's that's pretty much it. Because <laughs> no one really, like the booking this year, no one really stood out as like, oh my God, far and away, this is the best. It was just kind of like, eh, whatever. And Kelly, I throw it over to you for the final award of the year. You know, we've always got our... our uh... Our big final award, the 69th annual Rossi Ogawa Memorial Award for Coolest Boobs. You know, this is always a hotly contested uh, contest. Who who could it be? Uh, I believe, once again, winning it is Ho- Hoshita... Wait, wait, hang on. I've been handed a note. Okay. Uh, it's a note from Rossi. Rossi himself saying we need to get back to promoting things in the old school way. And he, he himself has awarded Sexy Dynamite Princess the 69th annual Rossi Rossi Ogawa Memorial Award for Coolest Boobs. Congratulations, uh, Sexy Dynamite Princess Hoshitango. I am sorry. uh, You need to get off the stage. Go sit down. Your back must be hurting. All right. Wow. Some late drama happening there in the awards, but that is all of our awards for the year of 2023. Next, we are going to get into our Joshi official Joshi fantasy draft here. Uh, I've 100% made up a bunch of rules. So here (laughs) they are. Um, So Kelly and I are each going to pick five joshi wrestlers uh i made a rule that you can only pick a single wrestler from each company um this is sort of a loose rule but i didn't want us both just picking five stardom people or five tokyo joshi people or something like that to give it some variety um you each wrestler will get three points for a singles victory two points for a tag team victory and one point for a six person or greater tag match victory if you win a championship during the year that is worth 10 points if you successfully defend that singles championship that is worth six points a tag title defense is worth five and a six person or greater 
title defense is worth four points at the six month junction, which will be sometime in June. I would imagine uh, we are allowed to swap out one wrestler of our choice. If we want, we don't have to, and we can pick another wrestler, but we don't accrue the, that wrestler's points from the first six months of the year. So you will retain the points of the wrestler you are swapping out and then moving forward, we'll get the points of your new wrestler. And this will cover events January 1st, 2024 through December 31st, 2024. Kelly, I didn't even think who's going to go first. Um, hold on. Well, uh, do we, do either of us have like an app on our phone that does a coin flip? Uh, hold on. I bet there's a, I bet there's an app online. Coin flip. Okay. Call it. Uh, heads. It is heads. Yeah. Okay. So should we do the snake style where we go one, two, and then I'll get the first pick and then you get the second pick? It's five. It won't be even, but that's okay. Um, you know what I mean? Like, I'll oh, get the we're, each, we're each making two picks in a row then. Correct. That works. Yeah, we can do that. All right. So let me write this out here. Kelly, that's you. Taylor, that's me. All right, Kelly, your first pick. I think my first pick. I'm going to go with Miyu Yamashita. Miyu Yamashita. Okay. That's interesting. Okay. That's not who I thought you would pick first. Um, I did have her on my list. My first pick is going to be. I am going to pick Saya Kamatani. She was number two on my list. <laughs> and that I had a couple people in stardom anticipating you would do a stardom wrestler first. And then you threw me off. Um, all right. Your second pick, Kelly. Well, don't you go second? Oh, yeah, I do go second. Um, my second pick is going to be, oh, because now I know you can't pick anyone from Tokyo Joshi, so I can sort of hang out on that one. Um, I am going to pick, I am going to pick Miyuki Takase. Wow. All right. Now you have two picks, Kelly. I think I am going to go with Vaney. Oh, good pick. Good pick. Okay. I am. Oh, no. And then you have another. Wait, no, it's my pick. Yeah. Then you have. Okay. And I'm supposed to be making notes of this. Okay. Ah, now this is hard. Hmm. I wonder. You know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Rina Yamashita. All right. I'm cornering the market on Yamashitas. <laughs> okay. I am going to then pick. I'm going to pick Ibuki Hoshi. 
And I am going to, oh God. Um, I am going to pick you. Me? <laughs> yes. Get over to Japan and start working. Oh, God damn it. Okay. <laughs> They're going to be mean to me in the dojo. <laughs> All right, Kelly, your last two picks. Okay. Uh, I think... I'm not picking Julia. Fascinating. Okay. Because my friend Paul told me she might be she might be going somewhere, but he also doesn't know who she is. So that's it's a weird tip. I don't know. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Utami. Utami. Okay. And Takumi Aroha. Takumi Aroha. All right. Okay. So that is your five picks. And then I get a little stubby final pick, which I will use on Miyu Watanabe. All right. So the teams are as follows. Kelly has Miyu Yamashita, Veni, Rina Yamashita, Utami, and Takumi Aroha. I have Saya Kamatani, Miyuki Takase, Ibuki Hoshi, Yu, and Miyu Watanabe. Uh, It'll be interesting to see what happens. (laughs) I have no idea. (laughs) <laughs> um yeah so um i guess follow along with us if anyone wants to pick five of their own wrestlers and uh join in i guess let me know i could always keep track of that um yeah. i don't know we're making this up as it happens this yeah may, this may be a terrible idea uh, yeah we'll see <laughs> But that will be our Joshi, our 2024 Joshi Fantasy Draft. So let's very quickly um, go through some of the events of the last two weeks. Um, Stardom had their a big winter show. Um, not much to say about this one, Kelly. I think you're sort of on the same page. Um, I thought it was a mostly fine, you know, moved at a very quick pace. Um, a lot of pretty short matches. Um, so nothing overstayed its welcome, but nothing really stood out um, to me. Yeah, I mean, I thought I honestly came into the show expecting to like it more than I did, but I do think overall it was a fine enough show. Uh, Tokyo Joshi, as we talked about before, had their Cork and Hall show on the 1st of December, highlighted largely by that. Uh, two out of three falls, 10 person tag team match, but also uh, free Wi Fi successfully defending their princess tag team titles in a pretty fun um, tag team match. I also very much enjoyed Yuki Kamafuku and Viva Van. Um, yeah, that was that really good. Queen of Asia match really surpassed my expectations. Also, really liked the next generation uh, tournament finals. Uh, big win for Uihara. So, really a, a pretty fun. Uh, pretty fun show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tokyo Joshi also had Yuka Sakazaki's graduation show. I haven't gotten to that one yet. Did um, this show air? Already? Well, it was on the 6th, and I believe it's now on Wrestle Princess because I think they said it was going up on the 9th. Um, okay. Because of the Wi-Fi in the venue or something. Ah, um, uh, Okay. 
They also uh, debuted the Aquarium Wrestling Show, which I did watch. Um, a fun show. It's one of their pay-per-view shows, so it's 3,000 yen, uh, which is about $20 or so. Um, I bought it. A fun show. I don't think in any way vital. Um, a little bit better than their... Um, a little bit better than the amusement park show that they did, which was sort of more of like activity based. Um, this was very much wrestling based uh, fun to see them uh, wrestle in the aquarium, but nothing really must see go out of your way, especially because it's uh, 20 bucks. Well, the, the, the amusement park one's probably better for pervert reasons. <laughs> I, I can't say. Uh <laughs> I wouldn't know. Um, <laughs> Marvelous had a show. Uh, Tomoko Watanabe defeated Mio Momono to become the number one contender for the triple AW title. And Maria and Riko Kawahata, the team of Magenta, defeated Chikayo Nagashima and Takumi Aroha to win the triple AW tag team titles. So some changes there. Another tag title change. Risa, Sarah, and Saki defeated Ikuto Hidaka and Itsuki Aoki to win the Wave tag titles, and Yuki Miyazaki defeated Ayame Sasamura to become the number one contender for the Regina the Wave. Kelly, what's been happening in the world of Gato Move and Chaco Pro? Uh, the only really big thing of note is that the Chaco Pro roster, mem- roster member Sayuri has officially retired from wrestling. Uh, she's had I think they awarded it as poor health over the past couple of months and she's been out for a while. And I think she finally decided that she is not really well enough to be able to come back to wrestling. So she has decided to hang up her boots, which is sad to see. I thought she had a lot of potential and I enjoyed her tag team with uh, Chon Chiyu. So that is everything that's been going on coming up. In the next two weeks, Stardom will be having their year-end Climax Corican Hall show on December 24th. I don't believe anything has been announced for that quite yet. Uh, Tokyo Joshi will be in America for the Tokyo Joshi Prestige Combat Princess USA show. The card is Rika Tatsumi and Amira versus Max the Impaler and Palm Harajuku. Moka Miyamoto versus Trish Adora. Mizuki versus Sandra Moon. Shoko Nakajima versus Taya Valkyrie, Miyu Watanabe versus Hayan, and then a tag team, princess tag team title match. The team of Free Wi Fi, Hikari Noah, and Naokakuda will defend against Janai Kai and Shaza McKenzie. And the main event will see a special tag match. One to one million, Miyu Yamashita and Maki Ito will face off against Masha Slamovich, a little preview of her time coming up in Tokyo Joshi, and Killer Kelly. Uh, Ice Ribbon has a show on the 17th where Anchamu and Yuri will defend the tag titles against Totoro Satsuki and Akane Fujita. And Wave has a show on December 24th. Yumi Oka will return, a limited return, um, but that show also will feature Kohaku taking on a visiting Starlight Kid, and Veni will defend the Regina DeWave title against recent um, victorious number one contender Yuki Miyazaki. So that everything coming up in the next two weeks, but we will see you in a month 
at the beginning of 2024 to go over everything that's been happening. Kelly, do you have anything else you'd like to say? Uh, Godzilla minus one ruled. Have you seen it, Taylor? I have not seen it. Uh, you yet. should see it. It's very good. Uh, but I it saw has it been... for, for the second time yesterday. It still holds up on the second viewing. Uh, I loved it. The human story is very good. Uh, really emotional. Godzilla looks fucking awesome, and he is such an asshole in this movie. It's great. Like can't can't recommend the movie highly enough. It was recommended to me by another friend after you recommended it to me, so I do uh, I do want to see it. Yeah, it's it's really good. Well, that is all for us for the year twenty twenty three. I will say before we go. Thank you to everyone who has listened to really any episode, one episode, many episodes, all the episodes in the year 2023. We very much appreciate it, and we are looking forward to another great year of Joshi action in 2024. So for Kelly, I am Taylor saying farewell and see you next year. Happy New Year, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, uh, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy any other holiday you might celebrate, or if you don't celebrate, just have a good day. Have a good couple of weeks. We'll see you in a bit. Bye. Hola, hola. My name is Ricardo. I am the host of the Lucha Jovers podcast here in the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. We are a Spanish-speaking show dedicated to discussing and analyzing pro wrestling from all across the world. From AW to CMLL, we talk about American wrestling, Japanese wrestling, and of course, Lucha Libre. If something big happened in the pro wrestling world, we will talk about it. So if you know Spanish or have a friend that knows Spanish or want to practice your Lucha Libre pronunciations, go listen to the Lucha Jovers podcast right here in the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Nos vemos por ahí.